1: Celtic Stuff Live. The only toll free call in
0: webcast produced specifically for Celtics fans.
1: Back, Celtic back, Stuff Live. Back again.
0: And the Celtic stuff live train just keeps rolling along. John, obviously, uh, we've had a number of shows leading up to the trade deadline. Then we had the live show with Larry H. Russell on Thursday from 2.30 to 4. No, No big fireworks going off per what we would consider to be a normal trade deadline, although last year got us all primed up, and then the picks and the rumors. And, hey, it was a ton of fun. We had a great show had some good had some good guests lined up from the blogosphere and uh, now now we have you know the fallout I guess the fallout to talk about, as well as a couple of games on Friday night and Sunday night, uh, two completely polar opposite type style of game uh, games, and then also uh, we 're missing a player, maybe a little bit more extended period of time than we thought in Kelly Olinnick. But here we are rolling tonight, or today. this show, without a guest. We're not bringing anybody on. We're just going to, we've had enough interviews. We we talked to a lot of people. You and I are, are going to have our moment to just kind of break down where we're at, where we're going, and then we'll bring the guest back next week.
1: Yeah. No, I, you know, there's, obviously there's been a lot going on and, and uh, you know, I think it's a chance for us to kind of take a breath and, and see where we're at and, and look at the future and, you know, you've got to stand back and, yeah, the rust for uh, you know the night in Utah was, was certainly there and something we all probably somewhat expected had in 10 days since they played last. But I think that the big thing for us is, you know, and what we saw against Denver is that this is a team that's that's going to scrap and fight. Um, there's going to be some pieces, and we'll talk about Kelly Olenek in a moment about, about what his absence means for the team. But, look, that one play... And, and and you know which one I'm going to talk about, the play where Smart tips the ball up ahead, Evan Turner books it, tips it back so to save it from Owen out of bounds, and it ends up with a with an Avery Bradley dunk. I mean, the only thing that kind of comes to mind is that famous uh, Rajon Rondo dive, for, you know, for the ball as it's as it's running away from him. He grabs it, steals it, you know, scores right over uh, White Chocolate. I mean. <laughs> Those are like iconic moments, and to me, that moment that we saw, that certainly was, was represented Rajon Rondo of that time, probably maybe not so much now, but I think that play really represents where the Celtics team is and, and what they are. They never give up, And and meanwhile, the Denver Nuggets were kind of slow-trotting their way back. Um, they could have had that ball. They could have stopped it, but the Celtics wanted it more. And I think as we get down the stretch... Yeah, nobody gonna, got back on that play. They're going to outperform. They're going to outperform everybody. As these teams are kind of struggling to get to the end, the depth is going to pay off because they're going to be healthier, aside from Kelly. And and they're just going to be able to... to uh, I would not be at all surprised to see them put, put some real pressure on Toronto. I think that's going to be the, the race to watch here as, as we get down the stretch.
0: Well, you and I talked about that on last week's show with Sean Grandy and I know it tailed a little bit into our live trade deadline show, but that was really the big question, right? How much can, how much pressure can this team put on Toronto to move into that second seed? We were hoping that maybe there would be a little bit of an asset and I believe I said that Toronto is really one big Celtics trade or one, you know, key injury away. From And because of depth, and when I say key, I'm not even talking necessarily, you know, the top three players like a Lowry going down. I just think that the depth on that Raptors team really isn't quite there. One significant injury from their top rotation, you know, top six, maybe seven players, and Toronto could be in trouble with the Celtics kind of creeping in. Um, The trade deadline did not uh, satisfy one of those criteria. We may not see an injury on that squad but at the same time it doesn't mean that the Celtics can't continue to scrap like you said they did against the Denver Nuggets on Sunday night doesn't mean they can't scrap their way into that second seed they're certainly going to continue to apply pressure and you know just to kind of wrap up where we've been let's let's just close the doors on the trade deadline, and I remember on Twitter, uh, you and I were going back and forth a little bit trying to read the tea leaves or put on the tinfoil hat or come come up with who is this person that Danny Ainge was talking about the next day that supposedly... Uh, the player was all ready to go, and then the other team walked away, and we were wondering, all right, who, who could it be? Was it a Hayward? It didn't really seem like you know Gordon was up for trade. Uh, was it maybe Blake Griffin? And the way that Ainge worded it, the other team decided that they would finish out the season as best they can with what they have. That, to me, shouted out personality issues and potential injury issues, that was just screaming Blake Griffin the way he worded it. But you and I went back and forth trying to figure it out, and then Steve Bulpett, who usually squashes trade rumors, and I didn't expect him to come out with maybe the answer to this question until this summer, but he comes out with Jaleel Okafor, which would have been an extremely interesting case given the fact that how that season how this season started for him the rumors that came out the bar
1: fights in boston i just wonder how the fan base would have received him don't you i do i do and and i think as you know earlier on you know we saw i mean that that the trading of that pick is highly controversial i mean we could talk about this alone for the next six weeks eight weeks you know ten weeks um and you know, for me, I mean, we could, as I said, we could go back and forth, and and, and probably it's the type of thing like Durant uh, and and uh, Odin. You know, it's it's something that can be debated, even if, once you know the answer of who works out. So this is it's it's really intriguing, and you know, especially if you turn out to get the number one pick here with the Nets pick. You know, would that have been the best deal? Would it not have been the best deal? I mean, this thing will never end. We're never going to hear the end of this one. As you'd imagine, I, you know, Okafor, I, I do have a soft spot for, for Jaleel Okafor, um being a member of the Duke Blue Devils championship winning team last spring. However, um, he might be the last of the three bigs that I would like to have from, from Philadelphia, just because of where the Celtics are. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I worry about his athleticism. I worry about him fitting into where this league is going. Now maybe Danny's thinking we're gonna zig when everyone else is zagging, and we're gonna get a back to the basket, big man. Maybe that's the maybe that's true. Um, but I remember what I said. If we were gonna trade a player like Sullinger,
0: what I wanted back in return was somebody who could rebound. I mean really Sully in many ways is Okafor light, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a we saw him, he can't he still can't shoot the three ball. He's definitely zigging when the, you know, league is zagging, right? That's a perfect example and yet he has a spot on this roster. I actually would have been fine with Okafor for a bunch of reasons. One, he can score. Right, even if it's not the way that the league wants the wants the game played, so to speak, you know the Golden State Warriors way, the Draymond Green way, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't have value. He he can absolutely score. He's young. He can rebound. Um, I do have some concerns about attitude, obviously, but I think Danny Ainge is thinking exactly what Sean Grandy was thinking on our last show. Yeah, go ahead, bring in Dwight Howard. I would love to see what uh brad stevens can do with a dwight howard and i'm gonna i'm gonna just take a page right out of that book and say i would love to see what he could do with okafer
1: yeah well and i think the other yeah i think jalil is is he's at the point where he's at the impressionable stage you know he's still at a point where you can mold him and shape him i mean this isn't a guy who came from high school you know and and went into the pros i mean he he came to duke now he only went for a year um, but, you know, obviously he's got good taste. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, but <laughs> in all seriousness, no, I mean, he, he went, he could, you know, you could go play for Patino. You could go to LSU where who knows what's going on academically, not as a slight towards Ben Simmons, but let's be honest. Um, you know, he chose to go to Duke to go to the, you know, the a prestigious school uh, to play for a demanding coach. And so I don't think he's afraid of getting better um so you know that's why i, I i'm not worried about that aspect that would the you know the the emotional and 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 all that i think this
0: well and look at where Kobe I, started in this league right so i mean it's not like oh young kid with lots of money and tons of free time off the court you know doesn't know how to spend his time and let's also face it philadelphia is not exactly An organization that even can hold a candle to what the Celtics put
1: together, absolutely, as far as internally, absolutely, right. And that's the thing is like, if you can get someone like that early on before they learn those mistakes that that somehow never got broken with Dwight Howard you're going to be so much further ahead with that player. And, you know, I think that's kind of Mike Gorman's, you know, thought was, you know, look, let's not take someone else's, you know, someone else's issues on, uh, someone else's baggage. Let's, let's let Brad, you know, be able to build those guys into a player and into a, into a real pro. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's intriguing to take a guy like Okafor. I would prefer Parker. Um, my guess is he's not available. But you have a similar scenario. And there. he just had a career night the other night. Yeah. It was so funny because I saw that and I remember you
0: saying – you know Jabari Parker is exactly who I want on the squad, yeah. who I you know wish would become available, a young player, a scorer, a Paul Pierce type, mm-hmm. somebody who could finish down the stretch, maybe somebody who's not performing quite at the level that the team expected, which means maybe he could become available. Uh, and then I saw him have that career night, and I did kind of chuckle inside
1: because I remembered you saying that. Yeah, yeah. And, and the, you know I think the problem with, with Milwaukee, of course, is that with Giannis, Tedakumbo, and and Chris Milton, who they just gave seventy million to, and you got Parker. I'm not sure you have guys, three guys who can play, you know, shooting guard, small forward, and power forward. I'm not sure that those three guys can play together. Um, and so, you know, one of those guys has to be moved. And maybe it's not Parker. Maybe it's Tedakumbo. Everyone thought the Greek freak was the guy who's going to be, you know, change things. We're now, you know, a year later, two years later. And we got a lot of people who think it's a toss-up whether or not it was a good choice to take Kelly Olenek over the Greek Freak. That's another kind of interesting kind of thought right there. And so that's where the league has gone. You've got to be able to shoot. You've got to be skilled. And Greek Freak, he's skilled, but the guy can't shoot yet. Uh, He's got to go in the lab, got to get better at it. And it could be that Milwaukee has to move on from him uh, rather than moving on from Parker, which... I don't think they will. I think that's too
0: I think that's too much of a shot because the league has totally fallen in love with Anito Kempo, yeah. right? I mean, they're just there's too much I think there's too much PR on the street in Milwaukee for them to part ways with him. And and if the Greek freak does turn out to be a sensation, they'll never live it down. No. I mean, that'll be one of the most brutal PR hits. Now, Parker is somebody that they probably could, and I and I gotta go another direction with this. And before we do, uh, I just you know we've got a we got our first Twitter question from Dave in Western Mass, mm-hmm. and we've already moved on from Okafor, And I should have brought it up sooner, but he said he wondered if uh, Dario Saric, who's been stashed away overseas for two years, was on Danny's radar for this Sixers trade with Okafor as well. I mean, I'm sure Danny would love to get as many assets as possible, right? But, um, you know, that, but that would sort of fit our roster crunch scenario where there's still one year left for Sark to hide away before they'd have to make room for him on the roster. So I don't know
1: if you thought that might be a possibility. No, I think that's a good point because, I mean, you look at the situation with Sark. I mean, it's probably it, he won't be coming over even this summer. It's probably going to be another summer. So, you know for a team that's looking to try to do things now and get better now, um, as, as Philly is, if you're going to get a, 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 a not just the Nets pick, but're going to get the Nets pick plus I mean that's, that's the thing that, that is really interesting about this. I don't mind you know a, a number two pick. If we're going to you know, on average, we're going to give up the number three pick, and we're going to get the number three pick from last year. Okay, I, I kind of get that. But what, the other part of what Bullpet was talking about, is there, was a, there were other assets that were going to Philly as part of this deal. So how much? And are we talking about both of the number ones this year? Let's say it's both number ones last year. Does that, is that enough for Philly to give up the rights to Sarge? That's a pretty interesting scenario right there. Uh, Sully and the two number ones, maybe, maybe, because they, because they, here's the That's one thing fit.
0: about Okafor, Noel, and Embiid, and mm-hmm. they're all centers. Not a one of them's a power forward. Right. The one thing you could get back in a Sullinger is somebody who can rebound who can space the floor a little bit, and who is much more of a natural power forward than a center. It would balance out the roster. Plus, you could get a really long three in Simmons if the pick had landed just right. So it's quite possible it it was two number ones and Sully, and maybe they were throwing in somebody else. I, I really... I gotta think that somebody like Olinick was pretty much untouchable. I know that sounds crazy, but I just think that he fits what this team does. And we're I know we're gonna get into that later in the show, so I'm not gonna flesh that out, but I think Olinick was actually quite not untouchable because we know nobody on Danny's roster is ever untouchable, mm-hmm. but I think Kelly was as close to untouchable as any other player, which is pretty interesting to think about, especially a year ago. Probably would have put him, you know, into any trade that would have upgraded the talent on the roster. But there's just something magical going on with Olenek, in my opinion. <laughs> so we'll we'll break that down. Something we'll go magical. In that, something magical. He cut his hair. I saw your Samson comment. Right. So. We'll, we'll go down that road, but I have to ask this question. Is there any chance that all of this is a whole bunch of bull? And I'm not calling out Bullpet because I think Bullpet, you know, absolutely did his due diligence, and he never would have thrown a name out there as concrete as right. that if he didn't have it almost from the horse's mouth, right? Yeah. But is there a chance that this was all smokescreen to pacify us? And, oh, he did his work. He did the best he could. I mean, we know he's always having conversations, right? But even Adrian Wojnarowski a couple of weeks ago on Celtics speed said, I've always got to figure out where the line is. These teams are always talking. Yeah. It's just when does it become newsworthy? Right. When when do we put this on the vertical, yeah. right? right? Well, so was this ever really high enough? Did this, did this rumor ever get vertical enough for somebody <laughs> like Adrian Wojnarowski to report it? Or is Danny kind of throwing some stuff out there? To just kind of, you know, pacify the fan base. Hey, close but no cigar. We're still going to be working on it. Draft night's coming up. This summer's coming up. Lots is going to be happening with this roster. But, you know, since you know I'm still working hard, I'm still doing my thing, you guys can enjoy this stretch run from this lovable cast of characters that's number three in the East somehow, probably thanks to a magical, you know, and now hairless Kelly Olenek. But at the end of the day, is there a chance that this was all just kind of he even overblown, made it overblown a little bit to improve. No, I'm not saying to, I, sh- I shouldn't say to pacify the fan base. What I should say is to position himself more strongly for negotiations coming up, especially now that the next time he's gonna have an opportunity to trade, we're know we're gonna know where the pick lands. Yeah,
1: I, no, I think you're, I think you've, I think you've nailed it because I think that this is, um, from why I know of Danny Ainge, this is the type of thing where he, he gets on with those guys. This is, you know, Toucher and Rich or Adam Kaufman. He he gets going and sometimes in these scenarios, and he kind of just gets, you know, says things he doesn't mean. I mean, this is this is the guy who called himself the Jared uh, of of Chipotle. Um, not the best, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, not the best the uh, thing that you'd want to come up with in the last say six months. Now, two years ago, okay, yeah, that has a different connotation than it does now, but. I think you've I think you've nailed it i I think I don't think there was as much to this as as what was indicated did it get close you know no but you know I think it was a, a legitimate conversation that okay we got this and we got that and okay that seems fair that seems fair um but yeah I don't think it got you know, kind of higher up the ladder. It didn't go to ownership. It didn't, you know, if it got to ownership and then they pull the plug, well then, you know, then I think you got something there, but I think you're, you're absolutely right, Justin. It, it's, it, it gives you an idea though. I think the only thing we can take from it is what does Danny value that pick? How, what is he willing to, to, to run the, you know, roll the dice on and what's Philly willing to give up? And it gives you a sense of kind of where, where we fit. Um, At least in terms of Philly's bargaining position, in terms of Boston's bargaining position. But I don't think it, you know, we you know, as we were in the summer of 2007, you know, kind of after we talked to Mike Gorman on our draft show, you and I were probably checking, not Twitter at that point, but (laughs) checking, uh, you know, the, you know, uh, hoops hype and and the like. Has anything happened? Has anything happened with Garnett? We knew something was coming. I don't think that's the case here with Okafer.
0: No, I think you're. I, I think you might be right about that. Um, and let's transition moving on because we we have so much time to talk about this. Once the season's over, and we're headed to the draft. Right? We are going to be breaking the, and it's gonna it's gonna come up uh, in all of our interviews anyway. But we really should be enjoying what this team is doing Friday night. Withstanding against Utah, though, what a stink bomb, what an absolute and I love what Brad Stevens said after that game, right? Brad was like, you are professionals. There's no shaking the rust off here. There's no crying in baseball. (laughs) This is this was sad. And I, I was on. The pregame segment on Celtic Speed on Sunday before the game that night against the Nuggets, and I told Larry, I said, "Larry, I'm not even sure that this team isn't going to have another letdown." What I'm hoping is that the rusty game against the Jazz was actually sort of like losing a game as an NFL team going undefeated through, you know, 14 or 15 weeks in the season, and you get the loss out of the way so that you can cruise into the postseason and find your mojo again instead of kind of dragging through looming knowing that that you know that that potential loss is ever present. So I'm ho- I was hoping that okay the Utah game is the game where they kind of get slapped around a little bit, they learn their lesson, they buck up, and then that's the launching point. But I got to tell you, I thought that the Nuggets game would still be a letdown game for this team. They got off to a hot start, so that didn't wind up being the case. But they got destroyed
1: in the post against Utah. Don't you agree? They did, and that's, that's not to be. That's not really not all that surprising. Looking at at that team, I mean, Favors, Gobert. I mean, they, they've got Booker. I mean, they've got a really good front court over there in in Utah. They don't have a point guard, but they've got a really good front court. So, I thought that would be a, a problem spot. I don't think Amir Johnson has played great, probably in the last month. Um, I don't know if it's the ankles. I don't know what's going on, but. I had hoped plantar
0: fasciitis, right? Yeah. Or is it just ankle? I mean, he's got a couple of things that makes us concerned about his ability to stay well yep. down the stretch. Yep. And so I know they fed him at the beginning of the Nuggets game, and that was looking a little bit better. But you're right. When you have an injury like that, Tommy Heinsohn's been through it. We've talked about it in the past. Mm-hmm. Other players on this squad have struggled through plantar fasciitis. When you, when you know that that's there... It's 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 almost like carpal tunnels, right? Where it's a it's an overuse or a consistent uh, overuse or stress of ligaments, tendons, whatever it is that winds up being a durability issue with a season that, quite frankly, we all can agree is just too long. It's just not too long for the owners and the revenue. But eighty-two games is a burden on somebody who has a chronic inflammation potential type injury and we have to kind of wonder maybe amir johnson needs reduced time for a while somewhere down this home stretch final third of the year jordan mickey um yeah no i not hold on you throw out Mickey, and I know he got a couple of minutes at the end of the Nuggets game, and I put it on Twitter. But he's doing the Kendrick Perkins slam, the ball down before he goes back up with it. Jordan Mickey isn't going to see the light of day no. until he like gets shock collar treatment to prevent that from happening.
1: No, no, I, I, I hear you, I hear you, but I, I think, I think Jordan Mickey is needs time. They got to give him time. That he. You just i agree you look at him there at the end of that game, um I mean man, I, <laughs> that guy's too good to be playing the position in the position he's at right now and i and i it's a lot to ask right now to have two bigs pulled out of your out of your you know top nine, but i really think that kid is he's gonna you know if this were well, he if doesn't this were
0: mimic what olin does,
1: so to your point, yeah. like does he need minutes, yes.
0: But does he? I mean, he's on this bench, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really fit a role based on how it's organized right now. If Olenek comes back, it still does him no good. However, Amir Johnson, because right. he's a defensive stalwart, he you know commands a pick and roll, and because Mickey brings some of the blocks, if you were to rest Amir Johnson, I almost feel like that actually is the one player that could open up more time for Mickey.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think that's a good point. I think you're right. I think that Amir Amir's game more closely resembles Mickey's, um, both in where he shoots from. Uh, you know, he he is getting that three point shot, so it's kind of like Amir. Except, I don't think he probably doesn't take as long to get the shot off as Amir Johnson does, but. Emir obviously is much more skilled. He's a veteran, he's savvy, he's he's been through the wars, but I feel like the guy needs he needs a, he needs some rest. He needs something because or maybe he's had too much rest. I mean, you never really know what it is, but something's not clicking with Amir Johnson. They fed him early. They tried to go back to it. It felt it looked ugly and forced. Uh, there was a couple times, uh, there was one where Isaiah's kind of wraps it around and I mean, it was just it, it was it was it was not a good scene. So anyway, my point is I, I think that's a that's a trouble spot, you know, in, in on the way. Um you know, when they're going they're gonna go into Minnesota here, and Minnesota's got a real a pretty decent front court as well. I mean it's Carly Anthony Towns, there may not be another as another good young player in this league as good as Carly Anthony Towns.
0: Well well it's it's hard to say although there was a record night sunday night from the pelicans young master forward as well yeah. but um true. no he's definitely a tough one i think inside you know that front court we knew it was weak that's probably one of the reasons why Okafor if that rumor is true yep. uh was such a target was he would be somebody to maybe match up with these, you know, Anthony Davises of the world, these Carl Anthony Towns of the world, you know, that might be a player that we could put Mono a mano maybe not so much defensively right now, but definitely in terms of being able to feed the post. Because right now, the Celtics' offense in the post is largely generated on drives. It's not feed the post. And Sullinger had a nice game against the Nuggets, but it's not always consistently coming from him. Um, you know, obviously, Linux not going to get that done. I just, I think that, I think that there's something to be said for where you're going with this. That, that Mickey deserves some time, even if it's just reduced minutes for for our man Amir Johnson. I want him to be healthy. I think Amir Johnson is a big part of what this team does defensively. I just think he needs to be healthy down the stretch. When you look at the schedule this week, I will tell you, I've got a big week on CLNS Radio because I'm going to be on the post game show after the game against the Timberwolves on Monday night. And then I'm going to the game against Milwaukee on Thursday, and I'm going to be joining Jared Weiss on the Garden Report. Uh, so it'll be my first trip back in over five years to the, to the TD Bank North Garden and wow. definitely the first time I've worked the locker room. And then my very first ever time being uh, on video. Uh, so I'm going to be wearing a suit and uh, trying you know, something Whoa. pinstriped you know to kind of like, you know, slim it up cuz the last time I was on video was in return to the rafters and I can tell you I can just tell you I'm hoping to look a little bit more dapper on this run through the garden on the garden report with Jared Weiss. As a matter of fact, knowing that he's seen the movie, I'm surprised he's letting me on.
1: It's a good point. I mean, you think that he saw that and he's like, "Well, you know, I think really you're a you're a face for radio for well, not even radio. Yeah. Maybe podcasting." So, you know, um That's just what we'll do. Um... Okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: see? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I agree. That's I'm. That's exactly my point. I just, you know, I'm surprised they're letting me on. It'll be awesome to get back in the locker room and catch up with guys like Scott Souza and Steve Wilpet and, and obviously Mike and Sean and to, uh, you know, to see how things change because I know they've done some renovations in there as well that I haven't had a chance to catch yet. So I'm pretty excited and, you know, obviously I am uh, really excited to see what Jared Weiss is doing. Like I've obviously watched the Garden Report but I don't have any idea how they've set that up and you know what they're doing in the background when they're covering a game. I just like to see how far this whole podcasting with credentials thing has gotten since I was last there. So I'm pretty excited about that. But when we look at the week ahead, really we should be looking at some easy wins for this club. I was concerned that there would be more letdown, but you know, the Nuggets game was not the second night of a back to back. The Timberwolves is, which is a really good sign for the Celtics the way they've played, and then Milwaukee is really a shambles I mean they're just they're not able to put a lot of games together um, at the point you and I are, are recording this they're twenty three and thirty three but it really should be easy pickings it's It's all setting up for Miami, which is right behind Boston in the standings, uh, following the Milwaukee game a couple of nights later on Saturday and then obviously a rematch against the Jazz. But those are the next two difficult games. Now that they have the Nuggets win behind them, they really should have about three in a row, and they should continue to position themselves for striving towards a 50-win season, right? Down the stretch, that's really the target, and it seems achievable.
1: I think so. I think it absolutely is. And, you know, you're you look at, it, at the Miami game, like you said, I think that's the only one that really gives you any heartburn. And, and even then, I mean, th- that's a team without Bosch at this point. Uh, you're, you know, you're leaning on Whiteside white side and, and, and those guys, and of course, Justice Winslow, another Duke guy, gotta love that. Um, that's, that's the one that I worry about that Saturday afternoon game. But, you know, I mean, really, this is Milwaukee, uh, Minnesota. I mean, What's interesting about those instances? Of course, Milwaukee was a team that was kind of the, on the rise last year. They were the, you know, they've battled, they beat us out for the seven seed. Um, honestly, I mean, I think we had a couple games better in the in the first half of that year. We would have easily have gotten that seven seed ahead of them. Um, because the Celtics were playing better than the Bucs were even last year. I, I, I don't really worry. I, I think Milwaukee is really in a tough spot, and, they, and they, they tried to go all in. They tried to get Greg Monroe, and thinking that that was the answer, it obviously is not. Um, you know, he just doesn't fit. He doesn't defend, first of all. And second of all, he's not, um, he, he doesn't appear to be the winning player uh to call it basically what it is so i love i love where this where this week is going for the Celtics as they continue to kind of march towards you know like you said maybe a 50-win season i mean right now they're they're four games back of the the two spot and 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 toronto um that's a hot that's a tall hill to climb in six weeks but hey it's doable it is doable Absolutely. But it really
0: is going to depend on Toronto. The Celtics just have to focus on what they're trying to do. Hassan Whiteside, though, has been out a, a big ton of the season. Now he's in and Bosch is out. It's kind of sad to hear what's going on with Chris yeah, Bosch yeah. because even though I never really loved Chris Bosch and I definitely liked him a lot less once he became part of the New Age 3 in Miami, he is one of the good guys in this league. I mean, I would never wish, and you know, as a sporting fan, as a Celtics fan, I root again him every day of the week, but when he was with the Raptors, you know, the big knock on him was he was a little soft. I don't think he ever shook that, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean he wasn't a great guy. It doesn't mean he wasn't good for Miami and good for Toronto, probably better for Toronto, but he's one of the good guys in the league. I mean, he's a, he's an absolute pro. Um, I don't think he has a whole, I mean, every player something comes up along the way and I can't remember I know there has been one knock against Bosch in his career but for the most part this guy's been squeaky clean he's been great for the league you know good for the teams that he's been on and it's hard to you know I definitely wouldn't wish this on him and I I hate it cuz it makes me think of Alonzo Morning who also kind of you know petered out in Miami with health issues and you know both guys great guys and and you just never you never want to see somebody's career end you know when they're not at their peak for health reasons like those two
1: absolutely no i, I
0: no that's absolutely
1: true i i don't have i have far less enmity for uh, for Chris Bosh than i do Dwayne Wade so um that's you know, no one's last last time I checked, Chris Bosch never tried to break someone's arm in half. Um yeah, that's right. I'm still <laughs> sore. It's been it's, it's be. been five years I still would like to do uh, I'd like to see Dwayne Wade in the back alley somewhere. Um yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's that's absolutely true. You better bring a friend, though. Yeah, I better. Bring, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, my friend's name is Kendrick Perkins. Um, <laughs> speaking of two thousand eleven. Hey, speaking of that, that, that that's a that's a, a weird segue. It seems it seems you know, of course that we talked about the Jeff Green trade, right? Jeff Green trade. He go, you know, he's he's traded out of Memphis. Memphis now is you know, seemed to be taking on a lot of. Ill, ill-fitting pieces, they're still actually fit the five seed in the West, but I can't see that lasting for very long, um, given what the makeup of that.
0: No sentiment out there is that the Clippers took on the bigger the bigger risk and not the Grizzlies yeah. in that swap with Jeff Green and Stevenson, which I
1: think is interesting. I do too. I think you know. I mean, look, Jeff Green. We all know the, the issues of Jeff Green, but. You know, for what they're not character issues, they're not character issues. It's a question of whether or not he's going to play hard that night. And, you know, for what his role is going to be with with the Clippers. I mean, yeah, you can't rely on him all that well, but look, I mean, that could be the best trade that ever happened to
0: Jeff Green. All the places he's been, Mm -hmm. he has never had a leader like Chris Paul Mm -hmm. and. And I you know, I'm gonna this is a little bit of a borderline statement, but he's never had a coach like Doc Rivers other than Doc Rivers. Right?
1: <laughs> That's what I'm and
0: and so when I when I look at this trade, I almost think, you know, even even Memphis, as much as they've kind of put it together, they still don't have a strong leader like I just don't think Chris Paul is gonna put up with his bull. I'll be honest with you, I think Chris Paul could end up being the best thing for Jeff Green's career because being out there and he's not going to be a focal point. He wasn't a focal point in Memphis, but I just didn't see the competition in Memphis for him. He, he was still could easily slink into the background behind Tony Allen, right? So easy for him to do that there. I don't think he's going to get away with it in, in, in L.A. I think in L.A., and I think the players that are on that team, the competitive nature, I think they are going to ride his ass. And I think he's going to end up finishing the season pretty strong. Well, I,
1: I hope so. I mean, I mean, we got to remember that Jeff Green, he did play with Kevin Garnett here. So, I mean, speaking of leaders who can ride on someone's ass, I mean... He is, but of course he missed the year with the heart thing, and then the the next year it was, you know, of course things were starting to break down. So, I'm not sure that's the same situation as Chris Paul in his prime, being the point guard, running the point, being like, "Look, (laughs) you go, you catch, you run." Um, I I think it's going to work out just fine. But but the other side of that. Is what's kind of interesting is it's caused a lot of people locally to kind of look back and say, Well, yeah, yeah, good luck with that, Doc, because the last time that happened, it didn't work out. Now we were on the air. We did this thing, right? You remember, I remember it's been five years. Hey, listen, I know there's the differences of opinion everyone will have, but I'm gonna say it out here right now for everyone who does has not heard it or hasn't asked me on Twitter. The deal is this they took on, they trade away Kendrick Perkins. Kendrick Perkins was not going to be able to come back here to Boston after that year. So the only thing they're talking about is Jeff Green beyond that one year, and hoping that he would become something, or Kendrick Perkins, and then let him go that summer. I mean, what, what would you rather have done? I mean, I would have rather kept Perkins because you would I have. just think that, yeah,
0: yep, because I, I'm still I, wow. I wasn't. That's not how I felt then. If you remember, I was all about the Jeff Green move because I was like, yeah, somebody who can, you know, slowly grow into the role of replacing Paul Pierce will be able to transition. He'll offload some of that, you know, workload we will be, you know, him and Rondo will become the new leaders. We knew that Kendrick Perkins was perfect in his role with the big three slash Rondo big four, Mm -hmm. but we knew that he wasn't the future of this club. Right. And look what he's done since. We knew it then. But. I still feel like for us, for that, for the Celtics team to have maximized what they had then, they probably shouldn't have messed with it. Because, you know, it it really, Kendrick was, Kendrick was the heart and soul of that defense. It definitely dipped in his absence big time it dipped. And I know that the players were dipping too. I know Kevin Garnett was obviously not what he was when he arrived in Boston. I know Paul is getting older. I know there was riffs between Ray and everybody else. But let's face it, the defense really slacked off after Kendrick was traded.
1: Well, yeah, and you know, I mean, the thought was that well, Shaq would return. That didn't happen. Uh, You know, you had um, Jermaine O'Neal was in the mix then, that didn't really work out. So I mean, they they were. I think the thought was they had three centers, and they really ended up with one. And you know, they thought they had. You know, it's kind of the inevitable, and you see it every year. You know, do you have enough pitching? To, you know, to borrow another sports free, you know, you have like six starting pitchers that are all pitching well and, and the trade deadline's in July. Well, we can trade off one because we, we need, you know, somebody who can play right field. Well, the problem is then two of your pitchers go down and you have no you don't have enough pitching. So I think that's kind of what happened in that scenario. But to me, the gamble was good. I think it was worth the gamble because you looked at what Jeff Green did. You, you looked at what we did in college. You looked at all the skills he had. You know, honestly, where the league was going, where the game was going. Um, if you were able at that point to have Jeff Green as your four, Paul Pierce as your three, KG as your five, um, you know, Ray and, and Rondo, that's a team, if, if that were 2014, 2015 basketball, that would have been very successful in 2011. Um, just didn't happen, you know. There was just I. I I'm still a believer in the trade. I still think it was a good idea, um, and I and I think Perks Perks impact. Did was you overstated. like it then? I don't remember. I, did. I loved it.
0: I know I was for it. So you it were for it too, because I think you and I were Perkins, unanimous,
1: right? Because Perkins, I understand Perk the Perkins love. I understand that people love the guy. He's in the middle. He's doing the dirty work. Only in Boston, really. But that's well. Even then, honestly, I mean. You look at go back if you go back and look at at uh, the numbers that Dwight Howard had against the Celtics and against every other team. His he he got his average against Perk when he was matched up with Perk. He he was getting his average, you know, twenty two and twelve or whatever it was. I mean, there was no perks. Perk was not stopping Dwight Howard. Um, you know, so
0: nobody was, was taking him without double teaming. So part of that was strategy as well, right? Still... Cuz other teams were throwing a second man at Dwight and hoping to keep him to his average.
1: But you're still you're if you're still if he's still giving up your average and and for that team of course, he was really the only star other than the shooters around him. I mean what are we talking about? You know, I, I know, I know what you mean, though, and that was that was a big part of what Doc was talking about is that we can take him one on one as opposed to everyone else who's got a double, double, triple team him. But it seemed to me, I mean, if you look at the numbers, they're they're identical to where he was getting every other night. Um, that didn't seem to be enough to be worth, um, you know, worth the. Uh, uh, the, he- the not trade. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But <laughs> anyway,
1: I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, it was kind of the, the reminder of, of where we were. Um, but then, so now Memphis is, owed, owes a, is gets the Clippers pick, but we get Memphis's pick. So if Memphis starts to fail, and I think we have to start rooting for Mike Conley to go somewhere else to do that, we're going to pick up the pieces in 2018 or 2019 with a lottery pick. It's crazy. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, and and speaking of that, Dallas right now who is going great guns has lost two in a row. They've only won four of their, they've only won four of their last 10 and they are uh they're the they're the sixth. We want them 10. to slip, but we don't want them to slip too far, right? But they're too far up it's... right
0: now to really I mean, they are. Like, is it top ten or top thirteen? It's top eight. I
1: can't remember. It's top. It's top eight. Yeah. So they'd have to. Second. So we want them to fall out of the playoffs, but they'll never get to the bottom eight right. of the league. Basically, yeah. So now's a good time for them to really lose their lose their way screw <laughs> up.
0: Yeah, but David Lee is going to go there, which is another topic of conversation, it, right? It couldn't have worked better. I mean, because do do you think David Lee really? should have been bought out at this point with the Kelly Olenek situation because we haven't yeah. talked about Kelly Olenek. We have to hammer that before we go, and we have to remind everybody that we are giving away tickets to the March 21st game against Orlando, and all you have to do is retweet the show announcement or tweet us a comment with the hashtag CSL Returns. That's plural, CSL CSLReturns. Um, just make sure you retweet or send us a comment. At CSL underscore Duke or at CSL underscore Justin. Just a reminder, we're doing this ticket giveaway, and we want to get more and more people involved. We want to pull some some names out of the hat. So make sure you're listening. And we also know that we're getting between four and five thousand listeners to this show since we returned, which is about ten times the amount of listeners, John, <laughs> that you and I used to get ten years, I mean, five years ago. Can you believe? how popular podcasting is because I'm just surprised already we've just come back and we're already getting numbers that I am just – I
1: had no idea. I'm blown away. It is. It's it's ridiculous. But it's becoming – I think the old days of the show, it's kind of like – how many people were there when uh, Roger Clemens threw you know his twenty strikeout game in '86? You know, it's like oh, I was there. I was the day that that uh, you know Ted Williams hit last his last home run and his last at bat and things. You know, it's kind of it's legendary status. We had like 200 people listening most nights, if that. You know, but hey, it's a beautiful thing. We love it. We're so excited. We're really appreciative all of all the good comments people are leaving. You know, and 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 spreading the word on Twitter and on Facebook. And, you know, feel free also to to leave a comment on our iTunes feed that, you know, that does great guns and helps us kind of spread the word for others. Uh, we're looking for us. a lot of people are using iTunes to find us. Um, so that's really super helpful. And if you want to give us five stars, we won't complain. We won't complain. About
0: no, that. definitely no complaints there. All right, so let's wrap the show on this. David Lee, Kelly Olin yeah. connection, moving over to Dallas to tie into the, you know, maybe David Lee can help drag him down a little bit. I don't know. But we know he lost 20 pounds since the start of the season. <laughs> he never really got a chance to put it out there on the floor. Um there really wasn't room in the rotation for him the the truth is he didn't fit and there were too many younger players that at least could match his effort his per 36 was great but there were enough young players that could match his effort in the limited minutes he was going to get that it made more sense to develop them than to have the vet the injuries didn't pile up you know other than kelly olenek right now and they've already committed to buying him out They did buy him out, but they'd already committed, obviously, weeks in advance. They'd had this discussion and said, look, we'll buy you out when we hit the trade deadline, but we might might need your salary. So sit tight. Well, that time came. It was time to let him go. Do you think it's going to be an issue that he's not around to kind of fill in the depth chart, or or did Jordan Mickey just deserve his chance? And and how bad is this Kelly O'Linick injury? Now it's going to drag out an extra two, two and a half weeks. How bad is that going to hurt this club? Yes.
1: Um no i'm just kidding no it was like four questions in but, one but Go. but i think all of the answers yes um i i don't see any impact that that david lee david lee was such a negative and and i think it seems in the locker room he was a positive force um he found a way to swallow his pride on this to this point but this was the line in the sand that he gave danny is that that's, that's just it um and it, you know in obviously if he was willing to wait um, with the three weeks, I'm sure he would have let Danny know that, but that wasn't there. But but his performance to this point had been so bad and so, I mean, I wouldn't say historical, but the numbers were, stru- were stark and striking in terms of how bad he was for this team. I mean, he was awful offensively. You look at the team's numbers. I mean, just horrendous. I mean, really type the type of thing that you would really just, you would, You would never play that player ever, ever, ever again. You would cast them off, not even the D-League. you create a new league that's the F-League, and you'd send that player to that league. That's where David Lee should be playing right now. Um, Awful, 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 awful. So, yeah, I think, you know, you, you you slide and you'd rather see what do you get out of Jordan Mickey. People have been talking about trying to see what he can get, give you since Summer League when he was, he was a revelation. He was a revelation for them in, in Orlando and in Utah. So you really want to see what he's going to do. He's been doing well in the D League. Everyone's feeling positive about where he's at for what the minutes we're talking about here, 10, 15 minutes a game that he's... That he's if like he's that, lucky. You're right. If he's, he's lucky. lucky in Olympics yeah, absence. Absolutely. So, you know, I, why bother? You know, you, you're not going to do anything with that $15 million. If you were going to sign and trade David Lee this summer, okay, well, maybe you'd have some sort of, you know, need to keep him around. But I think I think that was a... You have to respect what, what David's wishes are, and, and Ainge has always done done well to respect it's those things. Better, it's better to do that because of what
0: Sean Grandy said on the last show, where look at Kevin Garnett coming back. Look at Paul Pierce coming back. Look at the love they're getting. Right. What other players around the league now? Danny does the right thing by David Lee. Nobody's afraid to come here. They're making it an open-door they're making it easy for people to want to come here and they're trying to turn it around right? right this this whole idea that free agents didn't want to come to boston a lot of that was no cap space no opportunity right mm-hmm. but they but danny is is also Doing right by players, doing right by the coach, doing right by the organization. He did right by Doc Rivers. No animosity on the way out. Look at the way that the organization still reaches out to these former players, former coaches, and takes care of them. I mean, they really do. Once a Celtic, once you're you're entrenched in the mystique, you're in, buddy. You're in. And people are going to start wanting a piece of that, especially when you see a team that literally started rebuilding two and a half years ago, and now they're third in the East, that is going to play and weigh heavily on free agents' minds this summer. So we have to just say, what is this team going to be without Kelly Olynyk? How important really is Kelly Olynyk to the spacing on this club? Because that's my number one concern. He's the only big who can really shoot that three ball, and once he drains two or three of them in a half, mm-hmm. It really opens things up. for. I mean, Isaiah Thomas is still going to get his, but the Jay Crowder drives to the basket are often
1: predicated on Kelly Olenek three-pointers. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, it's going to hurt. It definitely is. And you can put Jarebko out there, and it will help, but but he's not the same player that Kelly is. You know, I mean, he's going to be more north south. He's going to, but he doesn't have the the game. And I can't believe I'm saying all this because it is, uh, you know, Kelly Olynyk. We're talking about here. We're not too long ago. We're not sure what he's what he's going to become as a player. Um, but I I definitely think that it, it's going to be a hurt. It's going to be a hurt for that team, and they're going to have to limp along over the next two weeks. Thank goodness, one of those weeks is the week we just talked about here a few minutes ago, and. You know, Really, they've got one of the easier March schedules, which has been traditionally been a real tough month for them, that they've had in years. So they're they're going well to be well-positioned to kind of get through the month. Um, but it also is an opportunity for Jordan Mickey. I mean, look, this is a team that has not had good luck protecting the rim. And let's give Kelly Olenek a lot of credit on the defensive end. He has become not just a... a an adequate player. He's become a plus defensive player, not because he's blocking shots and doing traditional big man things, but he's doing the little things. He's keep his hands up. He's getting deflections. He's, you know, he's, he's hedging. He's, I mean, he's doing all the things he's got to do. And so that's great. You're going to lose some of that, but if you're going to get a guy who can protect the rim with Mickey in 10, 15 minutes a game, that may be that may be a trade-off that maybe you can use him in the playoffs. Maybe he becomes a piece for you that look, if guys are running to the rim on you got on, on the team, that's somebody you can put in to protect things. I don't think we're at the point where we're relying on a guy who's played no more than probably fifty minutes of an NBA career to be a big presenter for a big player for them in the playoffs. But I do think it's an opportunity. But they need Kelly back. My goodness, I, I don't, and we'll
0: we'll see it against the, in the next game against Utah, right? Absolutely. That's because that's where I thought they missed him. I mean, I know they were rusty. I know they didn't put out the effort. Yep. I know Brad Stevens needed to kind of give him the the bitch slap. But I gotta tell you, I think not having the spacing that they needed was a was a big issue. Got it. Because here they are trying to attack, and you have Gobert down there who is a shot-blocking menace and a defensive presence in the post, and they had no way to space it out to, to pull him out of there. And so it just played into the hands of Utah. When we hit Utah again, I don't think Jordan Mickey is going to do anything to solve that problem. He's going to get his minutes. He's going to get developed. Maybe we need him strategically at certain points and down the stretch, to, like you said, in the postseason, and getting him some minutes will be helpful, Maybe. But at the end of the day, against a team like Utah, and even when we have to face Toronto again, right, because Valanchunas is a monster, we need somebody like Kelly O'Linick to open things up because if they're allowed to camp out, on the lower box, one foot out, one foot in, and just wait for the players to drive and then go in and body them up or, or shop block, it's going to be a problem for this squad to generate offense. Well, I,
1: I think you're right. I think it, it does depend on the matchup. You know, a, a team like Utah, and thank goodness for the Celtics, there aren't many of them. Certainly in the East, there aren't. Um, you're not going to have many of those matchups night after night. You're going to look at a situation where you have one big and then one four-man who's probably, you know, going to, Try to shoot the three. I mean, you're going to run against teams that are are really trying to stretch it out more so than than punish you on the block with the four man. So I think you know, certainly looking at, at where they're going to be, that it may not pay the they may not pay the price in that regard. But the beauty of Kelly Olynyk, and I'm not saying that that this is um, what you want from him necessarily, but he does have size. He's a seven footer, and you know you get Jarebko on the block. He's six eight. Um, you know, if you have you know Derek Favors your power forward, he he's going to eat Jurebko for lunch. Um, so you know Kelly isn't probably going to give a lot of you know it, it's not night and day, but it's going to be a, a much more of a contest. Um, and so that that's that's the problem to me is you lose your versatility, you lose a lot of your Swiss Army ability that you have with Kelly Olenek. We'll see how it goes, I mean, I think it's going to give some opportunities. he just the knock on uh, the knock on him is he just needs to
0: be more aggressive
1: he's going yeah, he, that that's really the big thing with olin
0: you know and and outside of that, he definitely to your point about the Swiss army knife, everybody on this team has a role there's not a lot of duplication that's the one concern with Mickey outside of the blocking you know, or the blocking ability that a lot of the other things is going to be somewhat of a duplication of ability. What Kelly O'Linick brings is very unique on this squad. It serves its purpose. It's not always the favorable matchup every night, but it does allow them to match up favorably against some teams that they otherwise would not. And if Kelly was more aggressive and he really understood how he matched up against certain other you know forwards and centers in the league, and how he could exploit the differences in their abilities. And he did get more aggressive. He would only become more prolific. Is he ever going to be a prolific defender? Absolutely not. He's an offensive ball handling nightmare at seven feet, though. And I and I the fact that he can knock down those three pointers and was as hot as he was coming out of the gate in January was phenomenal. And I think we we have to wrap the show. But I want to th- I'm going to throw something at you. I don't want to reply, Duke. But because your name is Duke and because we talked about Justice Winslow and because we talked about Okafor, I want you to think about this a little bit and we can and we can talk about it on the next show. But but is it just coincidence that rumors are that Danny would have thrown asset packages out of the wazoo to two young up and coming players that it came out of Duke? Do you think that there is something about the way that Brad Stevens wants to coach this club that mimics what the intelligence or uh, intelligence and or uh, the mix of intelligence? and physical ability of these players coming from Duke that, that maybe it's like the Nick Saban, Bill Belichick connection from eight years ago in football, you know, do you mm-hmm. think there, there may be something there? I don't want an answer. I want you to chew on it. I want some of our listeners to <laughs> comment on it. That's not fair. That's not fair, Justin. But, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's a thing of beauty because you will not forget it and we'll talk about it next week, but I, I had to tee it oh, up. I have to, I have to let it. I have to. I want to hear what some you, of our geez, listeners that's think. That's
1: not nice, man. That's. It's. I mean,
0: hey, <laughs> it's how we do with the new era. We're gonna let that one percolate. We're gonna let it percolate. But I just want to remind everybody, definitely. Join us on CLNS Radio tomorrow night for the post-game show. I'll be hosting. Then I'm going to be uh, at the game on Thursday night against Milwaukee on the Garden Report. If you want a chance to win tickets to the March 21st game against Orlando, Orlando, all you need to do is retweet our show announcement or send us a comment for the show and hashtag CSLReturns. That's plural, CSLReturns. And then finally, Follow Duke and I on Twitter. That's pretty much the only way you're going to reach us. That's our preferred method: CSL underscore Duke or CSL underscore Justin. John, any final non-Duke
1: thoughts before we wrap the show oh, yeah. and uh, look ahead to next you week? You're not. I, you're not playing. This is not. You're not playing, I mean, this is not cool. But I'm going to do my best to not think, not entertain that. Um, no, I, I. You know, I. I I will. It will be a Duke thought, but not related to, to your question. Um, I think everyone needs to start focusing on the college game right now. Um, March Madness is a couple weeks away. You're going to have some pretty intense games going on. Ben Simmons was playing some he, – he couldn't start the game because of academic issues, but had another nice game. Brandon Ingram against uh, Carolina the other night it was just otherworldly. Um, there's some good stuff going on right now in the college game. I hope you guys are getting a chance to watch, see these guys. Um, Buddy Heald from uh, Oklahoma was shooting the lights out against um, you know, West, um, West Virginia. I mean, this is there are some players out there that can really help this club with that, that Brooklyn Nets pick. And, hey, it didn't get traded. It still very well could get traded here, but... Um, this selection be? could be made it could be
0: made, and even if it's not there's going to be players to watch in march madness That's right. that if your prediction about david lee putting a vex on the dallas mavericks right. is going to end up dragging them down and getting closer closer to to a lottery potential yeah, right. pick there's plenty of other players that might have eight selections in this draft lots of reasons to watch remember jordan mickey You know, was was not the high-profile pick for the Celtics last year, but he's become a much-talked-about player. Players with talent do still drop in the draft, find their way to playing in the main with the main Red Claws, and it's uh, it's really all prep for what used to be an epic live draft show with (laughs) top-notch. You know, callers and interviews and listeners calling in, which I can only imagine we will reprise, we'll bring that show back from the dead this year at the draft. Regardless, the Celtics are gonna make some selections. They are not gonna be able to trade every single one of these right. picks, nor will they. Right. And
1: and right. And and the we'll see who that is and how they how they work that out. I, I guess you know, looking ahead to that that situation and that scenario not only it's going to be the craziest draft night you've seen, but it's also going to be the first of many. Um, because I think the way that Danny is, is moving this up, as we talked about the Memphis pick, um, Dallas is falling already. Um, you know, it actually, we, you almost want Minnesota to win against the Celtics because they're getting a little bit close to Brooklyn right now. Um, so there's a lot of things like that. And and the other thing, as I'd just say, is that we're looking at a lot of these guys who came out last year, uh, you know, or, or into, into this year, they're very productive players. I mean, there's a lot of rookies in this league right now that are, that are making big impacts. And I think there's a lot of rookies that could have made big impacts on this Celtics team this year. Um, Rozier wasn't ready. RJ Hunter has a lot to learn. Mickey could still, by the end of the year, be an impact player. But imagine if you had a poor Zingas here, or if you had a, a Devin Booker here. Or, or even a Justice Winslow. Or Justice Winslow all of those guys could be making impacts on this rotation right now. So as you're thinking about the draft, I mean, you know, we've been thinking, Oh, well, you know, these guys are too young. They can't, you know, they're too far away. And maybe we overrated the draft two years ago, the draft that smart was in. Um, But looking at the draft this past year, these guys were ready and they they've been contributing for a number of teams right now, you know, in the playoff race, but, but also in big roles for their teams. So, it's not a, you know, something down the road necessarily. These these could be very real players, rotation players for the Celtics club next year.
0: All right, everybody. We are definitely going to be talking March Madness as we get closer and closer into March coming up. And John is definitely your college basketball expert. He's going to teach me a thing or two between now and then. And... Uh, so a, a a big week for me covering on Salens Radio. I hope everybody will be tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. We will be bringing a guest back, uh, a guest to be announced. But definitely stay tuned. We'll announce it on Twitter, and then obviously we'll be back uh, next week. So thanks everybody for listening once again.
1: Celtics stuff live.